If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, how this series came about is that we asked a question last uh, Easter, our survey really, and we said, you know, fill in the blank. I want to know what the Bible says about blank. And we just took the top uh, five answers uh, to that question. And uh, so this is a, this is a series that, that came from you and um, something that you asked for. And that may create some tension for some of you because you may be thinking, well, Somebody may have asked for this topic, but I didn't ask for this topic, especially when, you know, in light of parenting. Uh, a lot of single people at, at Jubilee Church, and again, you may be thinking, like, this is what I, this is what I plan. So I got a plug for you. Uh, here, here are my two, here's my, here's my plug if you're, if you're single. Uh, number one, the knock against millennials, and I realize not everyone who's single is in millennial age, but I know a big percentage are, is a knock against millennials is that they're, they're all about themselves. So he, my plug, my first plug is, here, here's your chance to prove them wrong. So you can, you can prove them wrong, but you're not all about yourself, like you're about it. But the second reason, this is really the more important reason, is that raising up the next generation is not just something God gave to parents. He gave it to the entire Christian community. You see, you and I are in uh, the family of God, and that, even, that supersedes even our biological families. You and I are part of two families, you know. Um, I have a biological family, and our last name is the Maori family, and I have an eternal family that is united uh, by the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the spirit of Jesus is running right through us, which on a side note means we should be way better at diversity than, they are, than we are. Um, on the whole, we're way too comfortable with uh, the presence of racism and inequality. I mean, the litmus test that Jesus gave us uh, is how would we feel if, if those inequalities or injustice were imposed on us. And we may not always know what to do with the inequalities and justice that we see, but the Bible teaches and Jesus teaches that we should at least know how to feel about those things. And uh, so we may not always know what to do, but we should know how to feel, which means that we have shared concerns, we have shared responsibility and parent. One rejoices, we all rejoice. One mourns, we all mourn. When one gets up at three in the morning to get the kid, they're on their own, all right? So I don't want anything to do with that. Um, but again, the, but this, this call that God gave to raise up kids is not just to parents, it, it's to everyone. Let me show you this in, in Psalm 145. One generation shall commend your works to another, shall declare your mighty acts. This isn't say parents shall commend. This says that we all, we all have this responsibility. We all, so we, people commend to God, a former generation commended the works of God to me and, and me to someone else and to someone else. So we just, we're a part of that process. And that's what we're gonna learn that today about what parenting really is, is about bringing kids up in the ways of the Lord. And that's something we're all in on. So we, everyone should be tuned in. Everyone should be ready to go. And so before we get going though, on the heart of the message, I gotta give some disclaimers. And, um, and I know, you know, you, when you, when you see an ad about medicine or you just look at your own medicine bottle, you see all these like side effects, like these disclaimers. And it's like, you know, why would I ever take this medicine? Like if you have all these bad things, you know, the commercials, like 80%, like here's what, here's the bad things that can happen to you. Um, I got a lot of disclaimers. So I just want to throw that out there about parenting. Uh, number one is that when you teach on something, people assume that you're an expert. I just want you to know I'm no expert. Um, 
Uh, I don't, and I'm not, and I'm not presenting myself as an expert on parenting. This, I'm not a parenting guru. Uh, in fact, I've never, uh, I've never teached on, I've never preached on parenting before. I've been leading this church for 14 years. I've never preached on parenting. Every time parenting comes up in, the, in a series, I pun on. I'm like, hey, let the new kid try. Like, like you know, he's he's a young parent. You know, they they think they're good at everything. So let let them let them have the chance. So I don't, I never preach on parenting because you know, especially the more I parent, the less confident I am in my own. Uh, ability and um, so I'm. Pr- so what I want you to know is like when I when I when I talk today, I'm not saying, hey, you got a parent like me, and and you've got uh, you know I'm the parenting guru, and let me let me tell you about. Them. I'm not imparting my wisdom. I'm trying to impart the wisdom that comes uh, from this Bible. You see, and see, I'm I'm meant to be an example as an elder. I'm meant to be an example, not an expert, an example. And what I'm primarily an example of is someone um, who sits under this book, who sits under the word of God and tries to glean that wisdom and then, and then show that to you. And so I'm trying to do that with you. Uh, and, and I've got a lot of work to do in that. Um, I, I need parenting just as much as my kids do. I need parenting from my heavenly father. He needs to train and instruct me and, and how to not just be a human being, but actually even to be a parent. So we're in this together. And I'm, I'm bringing to you not wisdom from myself, but wisdom uh, from from the scriptures. And, uh, the, uh, another disclaimer I want to give you, which this is prom- primarily for the moms, is that I realize that a sermon on parenting can take mommy guilt to like level nine. All right, so I, I I'm I'm aware of that, and I, I want to help a little bit with that. Um, in fact, when, when you're asked a question, and this is for moms and dads, but I think re- moms feel this more, is when someone asks you how you're doing. When you answer that, what you're really saying is how your kids are doing. Because you're, you're doing no better or worse than your kids are. Your, your emotional life follows the emotional life of your kids. And someone will come along and say, well, you should be fine even if your kids aren't fine. Thank you for that. Um, that's really not helpful at all. And, uh, and, and there's a sense to where, I, you know, we do need to grow into maturity. We do need to, to find that. We, but I, I say that to say that we need encouragement as well, that we need teaching but we also need encouragement. So let's be quick um, to support each other in our parenting and not so uh, quick on giving advice. In fact, in in studying for this, I wrote a survey that said it found on average, parents give themselves, on average, give themselves an A or B in parenting. On average, they give their neighbor a D, which means it's easier to see mistakes in the window than it is in the mirror. And so because of that, we cast judgment. So I'm just saying, hey, look, let's, we, we all need teaching. We all need help, support. Let's give each other help uh, in support. My final disclaimer, my final disclaimer, maybe the most important one, I don't know. Uh, parenting is not like following a recipe. Parenting is not like following a recipe. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to parenting. There is nothing you can do to guarantee an outcome for your child. There's nothing you can do to guarantee an, an outcome. In fact, one of the, when I, I surveyed a bunch of parents and veterans and rookies as well, and, and one of the things um, uh, someone answered, she said, the thing I want most for my kids, the things that I want most for my kids are things that I can't do for them. The things I want most for my kids, I was like, man, there's so much wisdom in that. When something goes wrong, there is no formula you can retreat in order to get things back on track. For those who think that parenting is like a recipe, I want you to imagine for a second, imagine for a second, baking cookies where the ingredients are alive. And the chocolate chips can decide whether or not they go in the oven. 
If you think that parenting is like a, a formula, I just want you to know that God will bring your formula to your knees, to its knees. And so it's not a formula. Uh, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. There is no one-size-fits-all kid. They're all different. They're all unique. We have found even in our own kids that we've parented our kids a little bit differently based upon their personality. So when I, there is a disclaimers. I hope you still want to listen to it after reading the side effects. And, uh, and what I want to do now is I just want to go through four observations from the text that was read, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Four observations from that text, and we'll throw in a few others that, uh, that have something to say as well. Here's the first observation about parenting, that looking at this text, is that your relationship with Jesus comes first. Uh, your relationship from Jesus comes first. The narrative flow of Ephesians, which is like the Magna Carta of the New Testament, just super rich on uh, how to be a Christ follower. Uh, the narrative of flow of Ephesians, that it at first, number one, it addresses your relationship with Jesus. And then, it, and then it addresses your identity and purpose as a result of that relationship. And then your marriage, and then your children, and then your job. And here's what I'm seeing. God first and foremost, wants us to look to Jesus in all things. And then he wants, to, he wants us to see our identity and our purpose as a result of that relationship. I mean, he's wanting to nail that down in us. And he takes a lot of time to make sure that we understand who Jesus is, our relationship with him, and our identity and purpose in our relationship with Jesus. And it's out of that place that we can be the spouse that we need to be. It's out of that place that we can be the parents we need to be. It's out of that place that we can be the boss or the employee that we need to be. And it's really important because like I said earlier in disclaimers that we need to understand grace in our parenting because the presence of guilt and judgment is one of the reasons why we can't come to parenting with an open heart. I mean, we are so insecure in our parenting. We are so, it's why, I mean, like besides probably giving up the details of your personal finances, I have found that people are the, are the least likely to open up the struggles they have in their parenting. Unless they just want to rant about their kids. But their own failure, their own brokenness, they, they, they find it very difficult because we feel like we've made some unredeemable mistake and we're afraid to expose that. So let me just kind of open up something that may, may help you from a, from a different perspective. Uh, it is hard for me to disconnect my performance in the role as pastor. It's hard for me to disconnect my role as pastor uh, from my own sense of self-worth and importance. Uh, if what I do is successful, then I feel important, then I feel like I matter. Uh, that's called a sin, and it's a big temptation for me. Uh, so if I get up here and preach well, people show up, you know, like, you know, and, you know, like people are responding. I go home feeling joyful. I go home feeling uh, buoyant. But if I get up here and I bomb, and, and you've all been there, you've seen that, and like after that happens or no one shows up or like, you know, it's whatever, some ministry is going bad. Like I go home and I kick the cat. I don't even have a cat, but I kick it anyway. Like I find somebody else's cat to kick. And I, it's not just that I'm discouraged, but I can be emotionally overthrown and my family picks up, don't, you know, stay away from daddy. Just kind of leave him alone. Just give, give him his time on his chair and he'll be all right. Like I can be emotionally overthrown. And I heard someone say to a group of pastors that really helped me on this. He says, if we're that way, if, if, our, if our identity and self-worth is tied to what we do, we may be delivering a sermon on the outside, but on the inside, our heart is trying to prove itself. So what's happening on this platform isn't so much that I'm, I'm unpacking the Bible to, to equip you and encourage you, but what I'm doing up here is I'm trying to say that I matter. I'm trying to prove that I'm important and I've got about 30, 35 minutes to do it. Now, here's something I want you to consider. 
some of us, if not a lot of us, that's what's happening in your parenting. On the outside, you're parenting. On the outside, you're parenting, but on the inside, your heart is trying to prove its worth and its importance. And so that's why you feel, that's why the emo, your emotional life is tracking with your kid's emotional life. It's, because, it's not because you just care about them, it's because who you are and your sense of self-worth is tied to them. We are looking to our children for our justification. We are looking to our children to prove that we matter, which is why, which is why, which is why it's so important that we are feeding on this relationship that we have with Jesus and understanding our identity and purpose because he's the one who justifies us. He's the one who gives us an identity. He's the one that says that we matter. He's the one that gives us our, he's the one who fills us and completes us. And we need to be drawing from that because here, and here's how you know if you're drawing from that completely. Your emotional life is tracking his emotional life. Are you with me? His, your emotional life is tracking his emotional life. Now, when I say that, I mean, that may just, I mean, that may just, you did it. You sealed the deal. Now I feel really terrible because I've never feel like that. That's not a, that's not a statement of conduct. That is a promise in front of us that we are connected to him. And the father sees us like he sees the son, not because of us, but because of Jesus. And when we understand that, we can, we can enter into the emotional life of Jesus, which means that we all have room to grow. So here's what I wanna do. I was just gonna pray for the parents, but I figure, what the heck, Let's, we, we all need. So I want us all to stand in all of our locations. Would you stand please to your feet? I wanna pray over us right now. It's, a, it's Ephesians 1. And I just wanna pray the grace and identity over your life. And it'd be great if you just go ahead, close your eyes, open your hands. And I just wanna pray this verse over to you, over you. Ephesians 1, 2, 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and blameless before him in love that he predestined you for adoption to himself as a son or a daughter through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed you in the beloved. In him, you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of your trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon you. He has lavished upon you in all wisdom and insight. Amen. 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 Feel better? It's time to feel worse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Observation number two. Observation number two. Establishing authority early is critical. In parenting, establishing authority in the life of your child is, is critical. So this is what, what does the Bible say about parenting? It says you should obey them. Um, the first three verses which I realize it kind of almost sounds like something from Star Trek, but it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And I'll get that in a second, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. That's the Star Trek part. Um, so what was going on? So the honor your father and mother is the fifth commandment. How many commandments are there? 10. Okay, so this sits in the middle. The first four are about a relationship with God. The rest are about a relationship with others. And this commandment hinges the other two because it connects to two. 
It connects the two. And, and this is what it's saying. It's saying that we as parents, and this is gonna come at you, you better be ready for this, and I want it to sink in. You as a parent represent to your children the authority of God. We, we are ambassadors. We represent, uh, we as a community and, and we're the hands and feet in Jesus as a community and we're salt and light and we, we, we're, but you somehow, you, God has set you, I, I didn't do this, he did. He has set you up, he set you and I up as a representative of his authority. You see, again, this passage, you've got husbands and wives, you've got uh, parents and children and then you've got, uh, master and, and servant. And these, these three relationships are relationships that, that Paul's instructing us on. But more than that, they are a shadow of, of who, of Christ's relationship with us. They're not this, so a shadow doesn't share the substance, so it's different, but it does cast the form and the shape. So all analogies break down, but it's, it's meant to show. So the way, the way that, that a husband is meant to love his wife is meant to represent something of how Christ loves his church. The way, the way parents, we parent our children is meant to represent something of the authority of God. That early on, especially early on, but all throughout their childhood, but especially early on, that we create boundaries and we represent this authority for them, which means, which means, and I'm not talking methods here, it means that in the early years, it's gonna be front-loaded with a lot of discipline. Which brings me to observation number three about this passage. There is a balance between discipline and counsel. It says, don't make your kids angry. Um, anyone who has kids knows that's, that in the word is impossible, Okay. Don't ever frustrate. It's not saying don't ever frustrate your kids. It's not saying don't ever make your kids angry. What it's saying is saying something worse. It's saying don't, don't have them live with a settled anger, a settled frustration, which characterizes how they feel towards you, all, not just some of the time, but all the time. They're going to get angry at you. They're going to be frustrated at you. They're not going to understand. They're going to do all that kind of stuff. But saying don't do that. Well, how do you do that? Well, Paul says, well, you've got to train them You've got a discipline. You've got to raise them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. And there's a balance. There's a balance. Discipline means firmness and forcing boundaries. Instruction means t- teaching, counsel, dialogue. So Paul's saying the one of the ways that you need to raise you know, kids that aren't angry is you've got to get this balance right. And it's going to fluctuate over their life. When they're early on, again, it's going to be front-loaded with discipline, not a lot of dialogue. I mean, A, they don't talk part of that time. And when they do talk, it's, you know, whatever. So, um, so early on, it's to be characterized. And then in the, the, kind of in the middle years, I would say, it's like these teachable moments. That trans, you know, like you're looking for moments to come in and instruct. And let me show you what happened here. You know, this is what you did. This is what you need to different. And so you're not necessarily disciplining them, but you are instructing. And then they get in the teenage years and then you're just kind of praying and holding on for dear life. And then after you get through that, then you're, no, I'm just kidding. It's just an easy joke to tell. Uh, then you get through that and then it gets into this friendship stage, actually. Get, you kind of, it, become, it becomes more and more a dialogue because more and more like counsel. I mean, even now, as a, I'm 43 and my dad, I go to my dad for counsel, right? He should probably discipline me still, but he's, it, right now it's counsel. 
And, and it's great. It's, 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 I mean, and I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that for my kids. I'm hoping that as we go along, but listen, here, here's what happens. You gotta get the balance right. If you, if you, if you over-discipline, if there are too many rules, especially as they get older and there's no relationship, which is usually when, when you ask a parent what they regret the most, a lot of them will say, um, I had too many rules and not enough relationship. Um, and if you do that, you'll forget that they're human beings. Um, one veteran couple wrote to me that their big learning was that rules without relationship equals rebellion. And, and you got to get that right. And it changes because you're, you're coming along when they're younger and you're, you are giving them a lot of rules and that's important, but it shifts, it changes. You got to get the balance right. There's a balance between the two. But if you only dialogue, especially when they're younger, if you're trying to persuade them with rules, you'll frustrate them too. They need to know the boundaries. They need to understand authority. That's a good thing. It's not something, I mean, a godly authority. Not, don't, don't go to the extreme. Don't think abuse. I'm talking about godly, bringing it to them, showing them the difference between right and wrong, showing them the boundaries, correcting them when they go outside of those boundaries. And here's something that helps. Again, I'm not talking about methods per se, but there is a difference between hurt and harm. And what I mean by that is like, if we should protect our kids from harm, but doesn't mean that we should always protect our kids from getting hurt. We should keep our kids out of the middle of the street in a busy intersection. But we don't need to protect our kids from scraping their knee. There, there, is a, there, there is a kind, because why? Because if you protect them from hurt their whole life and they get into a world of what? Pain-free life? No, a lot of hurt. It's a pay me now or pay me later. And you need to, you need to get, you, if, you, if you actually, if you avoid your kids getting hurt, if you're overprotective that way, if you're, if you're just like, I never want to do anything to hurt them, I never want to do anything to upset them, you will harm them. God, even now, the way he treats us, he, he disciplines those that he loves. He corrects those he loves. And sometimes that comes in the form of us being hurt. And that hurt, I mean, when you think about the, best, you know, the greatest lessons of your life where you learn the most, where you experience the most growth, I mean, you actually look back to your hurt, the hurt that you had, how you've been hurt and how you grew through that. And so we, we don't want to protect our kids. So don't, understanding the difference, we're not talking about harming our kids. We're talking about the, they, they, they need to feel, they need to understand that if, if, there's a, if they go outside of a balance, particularly when they're young, that needs to be corrected. It's really important for them to understand. Because here's what, you get, you get to, you know, because when they're young, they'll just do whatever you tell them to do. But if you just tell them what to do and you never correct it, when they get older and you tell them what they do, what do they do? They don't do what you want to do. And then you have exasperated children, you have exasperated parents. There's a difference between, um, there's a difference between having a curfew and vetting their friends and never letting them do. So you can be overprotective and you can be underprotective. I think that we've been over, overprotective. Um, I think we've avoided hurt, not just harm. We've not gotten the relationship uh, rules balance right. And sometimes for me, I've not, I've not done either. <laughs> like I've not done the relationship thing or the, this, like I've not instructed or I've brought discipline. I opt out of it because I'm lazy. Hey, I got an idea. It'd be easier if I just yelled at them. Instead of like going through the process of correcting the behavior, it'd be a lot easier if I just yelled at them and showed my disapproval and who they are. That'll, that'll maybe be better. So it, you know, instead, of, instead of bringing discipline that lasts for a short time, let me hurt them emotionally and it'll probably last them their lifetime. And that's what we do. And it's a, it's a bad trade-off. 
And you'll probably do one of that. If you lack discipline, you probably are emotionally wounding your kids because you're withholding delight from them so that you'll change their behavior. So you're doing something to correct them. You're probably just doing the wrong thing if you're not giving yourself to disciplining your kids. I mean, when I talk to 20-somethings, they, they talk about the wounds of their childhood. It's always something their parents said or didn't say. Those last a long time. Observation number four, you need to get the balance right. It's both, it's not either or, and it changes over time. So you gotta, you gotta, get it, you gotta understand the balance. Observation number four, the goal of parenting, and this is a big one, is to raise them up in the Lord. The goal of your parenting isn't that they go to the best schools, have the best jobs, you know, whatever your goal, they're not those things. Those are great. Those are good if they happen. But the goal of parenting is to raise them up in the Lord. Let me show you verse Psalm 127 that we quote a lot at baby dedications. Uh, Verse three through five. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So this is, this is something David wrote. If, you, if you're looking at your Bible, uh, you may see the title of it. It says, A Song of Ascents of Solomon. Solomon didn't write this. It's, it's, not a song, it's, they're not, it's not from Solomon. It's about Solomon. This is David um, uh, just celebrating his son and his son uh, Solomon, rejoicing over his son. Now, the context here, I think, is going to bless you. Uh, especially if you struggle in your parenting. David has a, has a kind of, a, he had kind of an absentee father who prioritized work over family. He, David kind of grew up as a forgotten son. You might remember when uh, Samuel came to his uh, father's house, the house of Jesse. Um, He's looking to anoint a king. Doesn't even remember David. Oh yeah, I forgot about David. That's the kind of house he grew up in. And it's not a surprise when he grew up, he was not actually a good father or a good husband. He disobeyed God. He committed adultery. He had multiple wives. Um, and he was kind of an absentee father. And he actually, uh, because of that, like when he wasn't engaged in his relationship, you know, you kind of feel guilty and you're prone to not discipline, which was David did. He didn't discipline. Even when his own daughter was raped by another son of his, he grieved over it, but he never disciplined. And in David, like a lot of men, was respected at work but he was not respected at home. I mean, they literally sang about David, how awesome he was in the streets, but they didn't do that at home. In fact, one of his other son, Absalom, um, just kind of grew to really disrespect his father and actually try to have him killed to take over as king because he had no respect in the home. David's family was an utter train wreck from the beginning all the way to the almost end. And in God's loving kindness, he gave him Solomon. In God's redemptive love for David, he gave him Solomon. And there would be another son of David that wants to redeem your poor parenting. I don't know what your parenting resume looks like. I know, I'm, you know there's a few of us that may be um, out of the child-rearing years. Our, our kids are adults, and maybe we have regrets, or maybe they're not adults yet. We still have regrets. I don't know what your resume looks like. I guarantee you it's not as bad as David's. And God redeemed that. And God will redeem your parenting. God will redeem any mistake that you've made. And here's what I want us to get 
as members of Jubilee Church. Here's what I want us to get. More than I want you to be great parents, more than I want you to be great with finances or anything like that, I want you to believe and live in the good of, of God's redemptive love for you, that he can redeem anything. I don't know what you've messed up. I don't know how bad it's been for you. I don't know what kind of negative situation that you've put yourself into or someone else. God can and will redeem it if you believe and trust in him. You don't have to walk out of here heavy-hearted. You never have to look, and why is it this happening? You can have hope and believe that God will redeem it because he did it for Solomon. He can redeem it. So he redeemed it for David. I want you to know something else about this, that children are a blessing. In order to train them up in the ways of the Lord, you, one of the requisites is you have to see children as a blessing. Behold, children are heritage. They are fruit. They're a reward. They are, uh, they are blessed, one of the ways that we will, we will be a community, uh, a, counter, a gospel-centered counterculture is if we consider children a blessing. We get discipled by culture. We, the discipling that we get from culture isn't that they're a blessing, is that they're an inconvenience. The discipleship that we get about children is that they are not a blessing. And that happens in subtle, not so subtle ways. Um, I mean, for America, on tra- for, I mean, this is an easy one. America's on track to abort approximately 900,000 babies this year. If, if they were their own city, they'd be the 12th largest city in our nation. Every year in our nation, the number of children per family decreases and the average age of when people have their first child increases. I remember watching a show last night, TV show. Um, and the husband and wife, early 30s, I would guess, they're talking back and forth about their career ambitions and the things that they want to do. And there's this big speech in the middle of it that was supposed to inspire you of like, this is the time when we get to live before we have a family where we can really do what we want and blah, blah, blah. And the, the implication is life, real life is found apart from kids and they're kind of a necessary inconvenience. Now, parents, are kids an inconvenience? Absolutely. They are a massive, I mean, just like, you know, some of you got your eyes are bloodshot. You know, I was up at three in the morning, you know, watch. I mean, I remember like before I was a parent, you know, you drive through St. Louis and they have, there's all these billboards, like never shake a baby, never shake a baby. I'm like, does that really need to be said? Does, when you're holding a baby for like the fifth time and they, you know, like you get, get them asleep after an hour and then you lay them down in the crib and then they start crying when you let them, and it needs to be said. <laughs> Never shake a baby. Never shake it. I'm glad for that billboard. Never shake a baby. Listen, I mean, it's not an exaggeration. Those early days can be like, you know, legalized torture. I mean, it's not, kids are an inconvenience, but they are a glorious inconvenience. And we need to embrace the blessing that our kids, whether they come biologically or through adoption, a requisite for you being a godly parent is to see your kids as a blessing. I just want to challenge you to every time you've, you get tempted to think that they're not a blessing, check yourself on that. But the other thing I want us to notice here too, in terms of raising our kids is the word picture that gets for parenting. The word picture for parenting is that they are arrows, that we have a quiver to give a quiver full of arrows, that, that children are like arrows. If I had to think of a word picture over how I see a lot of people in our culture, and sometimes, our, and I would say our church as well, uh, the, the word picture for parenting is like um, a china cabinet. 
in a china we have, in a china cabinet you've got all these dishes and the idea is you you, you got to protect them from, from them getting dirt or scratch or anything on them and and the thing about our china cabinet is like the, the the dishes in our china cabinet are the most worthless dishes that we have in our house they don't do anything they're just there. Like we never use them. They're really expensive. And what holds them, I want to sell them. Like I want something that I can use. And so you they just stay in it. So, so one is that we get into overprotecting or they're just like, they're, they're like trophies that we display. We put on display for everyone to see them. And for most of our parenting, we're, we're building a trophy case with our kids. Or they're like China where we're overprotecting them. I just want you to know, as Christian parents, we are not meant to play defense. We're meant to play offense. Like, like we're, we're not simply meant to like protect our, we are to protect our kids, but we're not simply to protect our kids from the world happening to them. As Christian parents, we are trying to raise children that are gonna happen to the world. That darkness of the world better look out because of the kind of kids we are raising that we are these ambassadors here and now and we are raising kids to come in into the darkness, to come into the darkness, that we are to raise them up, that we are to form them. They, they come like a branch and we begin to pull off little branches and carve them into an arrow, put the tip on, the feathers, all that, to pull back our bow and to let them go into culture. They are arrows and we are to be forming them and shaping them to be shot, not just to protect them, not just to get, you know, a good education, a good job. Jim Elliott, who has left a very, very promising career in the United States to serve as a missionary in South America, said to his parents, we made a decision. I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America, but remember how the psalmist described children. He said that they were a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows but to shoot? So with strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them straight at the enemy's host. Give thy sons to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious and all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. They're not to be trophies. They're not to be protected. Our children are meant to be arrows that we shape. And then at the right time, we shoot out to make a difference, to make a farther difference than we ever made. They're to go beyond we ever did. Proverbs 22, six says, tramp a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart of it. You see, the church is a big family and a family is a little church. The church is a big family and the family is a little church. And you are pastor dad and you are pastor mom and you are meant to train. That word train is most often translated to be dedicated. That w- that's why we use that, this verses like this when we do baby dedications. When they're very young, you're like, you, I know that you're not mine. You're just on loan from God and I am stewarding you. You are a blessing from God. I've been blessed by your birth, I've been blessed by being able to adopt you. And now I'm going to mold you and shape you in the ways of the Lord. And at the right time, I'm going to shoot you out in culture to make a difference. You know, there's this thing in culture, I hope it's not true for you, where it's like, the, you know, the idea of parenting is I'm going to just train them to be an independent thinker. And, you know, and then like, you know, they'll just make up their own mind. That is so naive. That's just not, not 
naive from a Christian perspective. That is naive from a sociological perspective. Because the way God, God made them to be moldable, when they're young, they made them be moldable. And if you don't come in and mold and shape your kids, you are creating a vacuum for someone to. And I'm not talking about being afraid. I'm not talking, well, you know, don't let them watch bad. You know, not that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming alongside them and teaching them in the ways of the Lord to understand what the Bible says about them, what God says about them. Going back to Ephesians 1 and talking about every spiritual blessing is yours. You, you've been made, uh, you've been predestined to have a purpose and it's not about you, it's about something else. God has big plans for your life and to train them in those ways. God made kids to look up to you and to be moldable. And when they get older, they will not depart from that. My parents were not perfect. But I know that they prayed and prophesied over my crib. I remember my dad sitting there at the table. And we had many different kitchen tables over the years. But what didn't change was those, his Bible and those green concordances. And he would read his Bible every day, showing me an example. And I tried to depart from those ways. Uh, but God wasn't having it. And as much as I was trying to get away, I came back as a boomerang. And it was the fact that my parents came alongside and formed me and shaped me. And they weren't perfect and I'm not perfect, but has not departed. And your goal in parenting isn't just that they get good grades, that you check their home, homework and make sure that they're all healthy and, and that's all fine and good and that's like basic responsibility. The real goal of parenting, the real goal of parenting is to train them in the ways of the Lord. And some of us f- feel insecure about that because we're not tracking with God. We don't read the Bible. We don't pray. We don't engage community. We don't want to go to church. And we train kids that don't want to do those things either. And so this is a time, perhaps, for you to come to God and say, God, I've just not, and I get that. God, I've not, I've not parented the way I've sought to parent, the way, the way I see I was meant to parent, and to, and to know that he'll redeem you, regardless of if it's like a, you know, uh, if, it, if it's seemingly a small mistake or a big mistake, God wants to come alongside and show you a better way. So we come alongside our kids, we pray with them, we read the Bible with them, we engage them on what God's doing in their life. We share with them what God's doing in our life. We get them around other people. You see, we are experience rich in our culture, but we are relational poor. So we are so concerned about our kids getting every experience that they'll get the, the right sports experience or the right educational experience. So they'll have the, they'll have the you know, gaming experience, whatever it is, but we don't consider the relation. We, we care more about what they do what they'll do in their future, then we care about who they're becoming. If you, wanna, if you really care about what they do when they get older, give them a lot of experience. If you really care about who they're becoming, prioritize relationship. You are the average of the five people you're around the most. Get them around other people who are doing what you wanna do. You need to be around other, you need sharpening. We're talking about community. You need to be in a community group. You need to be around community. You need to be molded in shape. You need to get your kids around that so they can, not, per, not for protection, not so that we don't get you know, the bad sinnies on us, but so that we would be formed into arrows, so that our kids would be formed into arrows that we could shoot out and with great prayer and with money, send them out into culture 
to wage war on the enemy's host. So here's what I want to do. I want to conclude. We, we can, I'm done. Uh, and I'd like to pray for us. So why don't we stand?